scripture reading comes from Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Thus the Lord, says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals, and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The word of the Lord. Good morning. It is so good to be with you all this morning. Good to be back here at Point Loma in a place that has been so important to me and to my journey. It is great to be here, and I hope to get to know some of you while I'm here over the next couple of days. But I have to admit that when we're getting to know people, there's this question, it's a very common question, that I dread answering. And that question is, where are you from? You see, that was an easy question for me to answer until about age nine. But until then, I grew up in Minnesota, which is land of 10,000 lakes and home to Target, great store, Bob Dylan, uh, the Mighty Ducks, wonderful things. Uh, and in that place, I had a big extended family who put the golden rule above everything else. And we attended a nice little Catholic church in our community, committed to peace and justice and loving all of our neighbors. But then about age nine, my mom and stepdad got married and moved part-time to Arizona. So I actually moved back and forth between Minnesota and Arizona a lot. And as I spent more time in Arizona, I came to love palm trees and I uh, really quickly shed my tolerance for winter which makes sense because then I, I came to uh, San Diego after that. Um, but while I was in Arizona, I followed a friend to a non-denominational youth group. And that's where I learned about the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus. And they really emphasized the need for prayer and reading my Bible. That led me here to San Diego, to Point Loma, the city that now I love so much. And I came to love the expansive ocean views and California burritos. That was like my first meal every time I come back to San Diego now. Ortiz's is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's always like generational differences about which has the best Ortiz's or which has the best California burrito, but I'm going to stick with Ortiz's for now. And I, I came to find a home in the Church of the Nazarene when I started volunteering with a youth group just next door and started serving as a mentor for a group of girls in seventh grade and walked with them through their graduation from high school. And in that place, I came to love our church's tradition for caring for the marginalized and support for women in ministry and a passion for holiness. And that eventually um, led me to work in nonprofits. And I worked for some places around here in San Diego. I worked for an interfaith nonprofit where I shared an office with a Jewish rabbi and a Catholic nun. It was kind of like a joke every time someone walked in the door. And then that eventually led me to acknowledge a call to ministry, and I moved south to Atlanta, Georgia. And I came to love biscuits for breakfast and huge thunderstorms and the word y'all. It's a great one. And I attended a Methodist School of Theology. I interned at a Church of Christ, and I visited a dozen more diverse churches around that city. So you might see why that answer wouldn't suffice in casual conversation. But I feel like any time I limit my answer to a singular city, a singular church, I'm leaving out a bit of my soul. 
In her wonderful book, Grounded, the author Diana Butler Bass says, the places we come to know as home involve an intangible flash of recognition, a soul connection that brings forth a different sort of knowing about God, nature, or oneself. Home is a place where God somehow meets us, where we belong. And so I'm struggling with this question of home. Because if I'm honest, sometimes it feels like I don't quite fit in anywhere. Like I don't quite belong in any one place. Like I don't have one geographical or religious home to call my own. And I'll be honest, I already had this whole sermon written before I came down to San Diego this week. But being back here has brought up this struggle with home even more. There are these intangible flashes of recognition for me all over this city. I mean, I can actually drive around here without GPS, and that feels like a truer marker of home than maybe anything else right now. And so I feel at home in this place. I have roots in this place. I have great friends and community in this place. God has met me in the church next door and in Prescott Prayer Chapel and in dorm room conversations all around this place. And yet, this isn't quite my home anymore. It's kind of like if you move out of your childhood home and then your mom like turns your bedroom into her office. You can go home and it feels like your home, but it's not quite your home anymore. You don't quite have your space anymore. And I don't quite have my home here anymore, but I'm not quite settled in my new home yet where I live in Palo Alto anymore. So I recently moved to the Bay Area where I get to serve as a pastor of this intentional living community called The Possibility Project, a creative church model committed to seeing people live out their giftings and passions in service to the kingdom. And it's a beautiful place that I'm learning to call my home. But I'm kind of in that in-between. I'm in that transition from what I knew as my home to what is now my home. But I don't think I'm alone in this search for belonging because I can trust that many of you, you've been on your own journeys. At the very least, you've likely left your own home and come to spend some time on this campus. And you arrive here and suddenly nobody knows who you were for the last 18 years. They didn't see you sing in the school musical. They don't know your childhood pets. They haven't seen your house where you grew up. And so you come here and you wonder, who am I going to be in this place? Where will I fit in here? And luckily, none of us are alone in the search for home or belonging, because at least across scripture, we see an ongoing search for home. From the early stories of Genesis to the Israelites wandering in the desert, through exile and return, humanity is constantly looking for where to put down roots. And so the question before us today is in an unstable world, how do we find our true home? How do we stay grounded when it can feel like the ground beneath us is always shifting? This passage we heard from Jeremiah is one that has both comforted me and challenged me during these seasons of transitions. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophet is deeply grieved about the state of the world and how his people are living. The people of Israel have failed to live up to their covenantal relationship with God. They act unjustly. They do not defend the cause of the needy. They are not loving their neighbors. And so Jeremiah is warning the people about the impending exile, about the end of their reign as the kingdom of Judah. 
Now, as a prophet, Jeremiah is not predicting the future in some fortune teller way. That's not the way prophets function in the Old Testament. Instead, Jeremiah is warning the people about the logical conclusions of their actions. The people of God are likely to suffer and go through transition as a result of their failure to live justly and righteously. In the passage we heard, the prophet is trying to call the people back to God, trying to remind them what a life trusting in the Lord looks like. And so he contrasts these two ways of living. Those who trust in mere mortals will be like shrubs in the desert. They will enter the wilderness, they will wander, but they will find no relief. They will not find their true home. And when Israel revealed that they had indeed placed their trust in mere mortals and in their own strength, they were conquered by the Babylonian Empire. They were uprooted from their home. They were sent to go live in enemy territory. And the home that they had come to know as God's dwelling place and the temple in Jerusalem, it was destroyed. After exile, the ancient Israelites can no longer rely on geographical location as a marker of God's blessing for them. And we too, like the ancient Israelites, we are so easily tempted to trust in mere mortals and rely on our own strength. We place our hope in political leaders or our GPA. We, we trust that we will be safe because of the size of our military or how much is in our bank account. We are tempted to root our identity in the homeland that assigns us our citizenship instead of the image of God placed on each one of us. There are so many systems and empires that would like us to put our trust in them instead of in the Lord, that would like us to turn our hearts towards consumerism or capitalism or nationalism or individualism, all the isms in the world. Those need to be rooted up in us because that is what turns us away from planting our roots deeply in God. The logical conclusion of placing our trust in empires and systems and identity labels is sure to be pain and disappointment. And if we don't heed the warning of the prophet Jeremiah as it relates to us today, we too will experience the logical conclusions of those actions. But, but, for those who trust in the Lord, They will be like a tree planted by the water. When the heat comes, it does not fear, and the leaves remain green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. What I love about this passage is its honesty about seasons of life and faith. It does not say if heat or drought comes. It says when the heat comes and in the year of drought. And oh my friends, we will have our years of drought. Make no mistake about that. Transitions are rough and they're seemingly never ending, at least in my life right now. And our world seems to be in so much turmoil. And we will go through those seasons of turmoil. We will have our seasons of spiritual dryness and times of homesickness but they do not have to completely uproot us. Displacement is not the final word in Jeremiah, thanks be to God. For God's people, there is return and restoration. God's ultimate plan is for us to make our home in God, no matter what address is on our mailbox. 
Because in case we've missed this, God is not some abstract being just floating in the clouds and watching down on us below. I know, like when I was four and I went on my first airplane ride, I was so excited because I thought that I would get to go up in the clouds and see the angels. That was a really disappointing airplane ride. But I think sometimes we've internalized this this vision of God above and God just in some other realm than us. No, my friends, God is with us. God is here, God is down to earth, God is with us. God has made God's dwelling place among God's people. God goes with the exiles even as they leave their homeland and God comes with them when they return. And through the incarnation of Jesus, God takes on flesh and makes a home among us here. Jesus proclaimed over and over and over again, the kingdom of heaven is here. It has come down to earth, and we are invited to participate. In another one of my favorite passages, John 15, Jesus says, Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire, and burned. Christ makes a home in us and invites us to make our home in Christ. Now, Jesus isn't bringing a wildly new teaching here. This is the wisdom of Jeremiah, but embodied in Jesus himself, embodied in God. The invitation to abide in Christ is like the invitation to be a tree planted by the water. Now, this kind of life, this kind of living life rooted in God, it doesn't happen by accident. We don't just wake up and abide in Christ We have to cultivate this kind of life. We have to root ourselves and prune our branches. And so in this season, I've been uprooted in a really tangible way, and I am not quite sure where my home is. I still have things in boxes in my house. There's not very much on the walls to make it feel like a home quite yet. And so I have to be extra attentive to the ways that I am cultivating my life in Christ. One way that I'm doing that is by walking a labyrinth path. But before I tell you about that, I just want to make a quick side note and also take a drink of my water. (laughs) Hydrate, y'all. Okay, I'm so grateful for my evangelical tradition and the ways that it emphasized the importance of praying and reading my Bible. But somewhere along the way, I got this message that there was like one right way to pray. And I didn't know what it was. I just always felt like I wasn't doing it right. I don't know if any of you have ever felt that way. But I felt like people told me to pray all the time, and I didn't really know how to pray. And so I'm really grateful for the ways right now that I'm learning about silence and stillness and solitude and the ways that contemplative prayer shows us that there are many, many, many ways to pray, many, many ways to abide in Christ. And so I'm going to share with you one way that I'm practicing abiding in Christ, but I just want you to know that there are so many ways to root yourself in God, and I want you to find those ways of grounding yourself in Christ. 
So I've been walking a labyrinth. I think I sent a photo of a labyrinth. Great. Um, So this is what the walkway looks like. It's a pathway that goes all the way in, and then you walk the same pathway from the center all the way back out. It's like a maze, but there are no dead ends or nothing there to trip you up. And so for me, it's a way of praying by walking. I think there's a second photo that shows it. Yeah, so this is one in San Francisco that I'm really excited to go visit. But this shows you what that looks like kind of down on the ground. And so there's one just a couple blocks from my house. My house. It's at a, um, an Episcopal church just in their church patio. And I walk the pathway inward. And I open my heart to God. And in the center of the labyrinth, I spend some time and I rest in God. I dwell with God in that place. And in that place, I sense that God is embracing me like a mother embraces her child. Like I am held in God's love in that place. That is a place where I can find my true home in God. It's a place where I'm practicing abiding. And it's definitely a practice because I fail at this like all the time. I make it there about once a week and I have struggled my whole life to have a consistent spiritual practice. And so the fact that I've been able to do this for like two or three months pretty consistently, I'm really stoked on that right now. But it's a practice because my mind wanders. I don't show up all the time, but it's reminding me that a life abiding in Christ is not about success and it's not about perfection. It's about faithfulness. And this grounded way of living is a way of rejecting the world's patterns of frenetic advancement and distraction and constant noise and false identity in favor of resting in God and finding our true home and our true identity in Christ alone. Now, why would we bother cultivating this kind of life? Why would we bother dwelling in God? We, tr- we practice this kind of life. We cultivate this kind of kingdom living because it bears the fruit of the kingdom. In Jeremiah 17, it says, the tree planted by water, even in drought, does not cease to bear fruit. And later in John 15, it says, my father is glorified when you bear much fruit and show that you are my disciples. In drought, the easily accessible surface water dries up, so a shrub with shallow roots can't access any nourishment. But even in drought, a tree planted by water, its roots reach out towards the true source. And so it's still able to bear fruit in that time. Rooting ourselves in the God of love, justice, and righteousness bears in us the fruit of love, justice, and righteousness. Now, we don't arbitrarily manufacture the fruit. We don't produce it ourselves. And that takes the pressure off. We abide in Christ and Christ produces in us the fruit. The fruit comes after the dwelling. It's not up to us to arbitrarily manufacture it. We simply abide and we let God do that work in us. Now, I wanna tell you a story that for me exemplifies someone whose life produced fruit, even in a place of death and dryness. When I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, the state had just set the execution date for a woman named Kelly Gissendanner. 18 years before, Kelly had arranged for the murder of her husband. 
And she was convicted of the crime and sentenced to the death penalty. But over the years that Kelly spent in prison, she was profoundly transformed by the love of God. Without making excuses for what she did, she became deeply repentant of her crime. Kelly reconciled with her children. Kelly took a theological certificate course and she began to be be her own theologian and she wrote profoundly about hope and proclaimed that no one, no one is beyond God's redemption. And she became a minister in her own right. You see, Kelly was the only woman on death row and so she was often kept in a secluded cell, a separate part of the prison. But when other women in mental distress were placed on lockdown, they were often placed near her cell. And Kelly, through the air vents, would counsel them and remind them that they were loved by God. There are many women who credit her from bringing them back from the edge of suicide. By abiding in the love of God, Kelly came to know that her identity as an inmate did not ultimately define her. Kelly knew that the prison cell was not her true home. Even in drought, Kelly's life displayed the fruit of a tree planted by water. After multiple stalled attempts, the state of Georgia did execute Kelly. But as the state injected lethal poison into her veins, Kelly saying amazing grace. That is the fruit of love, justice, and righteousness pouring out of a person firmly grounded in God, even in a place of drought. We often think of home as somewhere we put down our roots. And I'm beginning to realize that I will never have just one community to call home. But my friend Elizabeth said something recently and it stuck with me. She said, perhaps my roots are more like a redwood. You see redwood trees, they grow really high, like 200, 300 feet high. But somewhat surprisingly, their roots only grow maybe six to 12 feet into the ground. But unlike a shrub whose shallow roots dry up when there's no more nourishment, redwood trees, their roots grow amazingly wide, over an acre wide, and they weave around the roots of other trees to support their growth. And so perhaps this isn't a clear answer to how to find groundedness in tradition. It doesn't make the difficult seasons go away, but it's at least giving me an image to work with as I navigate my own sense of unsettledness in this world. Perhaps my roots don't only grow deep. I'm not only planted in one one city, one church denomination, but if I'm trying, if I'm practicing making my home in God, like a redwood, then maybe my roots are reaching towards the living waters of God in every home I encounter. So for me, as a child in Minnesota, my roots began to grow in God when I took my first communion and I learned the Lord's Prayer and we carried canned goods to the altar every Sunday. And then I learned to dwell with God in a church camp in the mountains of Arizona when I invited Jesus into my heart 
and experience the peace and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I learned to dwell with God here at Point Loma in the sociology classroom and during those late night dorm room conversations and through many, many, many services right here in this chapel. And I found a home in God when I attended church next door and wrestled with my call to ministry. And I learned to dwell with God in my Ocean Beach apartment as I navigated post-grad life and changing friendships and a new place of marriage. And I found a home and I abided in God at the Kessler's family table where I wrestled with vocation and eventually acknowledged that call to ministry and moved to Georgia. And God met me in Georgia. God showed up and refugee families learning their English vocabularies in a church basement. And God's presence was with us on the Capitol steps every time we lamented another execution by the state. And now I live up north in the land of Redwoods. And God is meeting me on a brick labyrinth in a church patio. And I'm learning to abide with God in the daily work of being a pastor as I get to walk alongside people in their own transitions as they learn to find their home in God and bear the fruit of love, justice, and righteousness. So if we're all searching for home and searching for where we belong, then each one of you have your own geographical journeys of the soul. You all have places where God has met you. And you all have transitions and difficult seasons that you've experienced or they're ahead of you. Because even when we stay in one city, even if we root ourselves in one physical place, the community changes around us. You, you take on different jobs, your friends move, they come and go. We're in a world of constant turmoil. And abiding in God doesn't make the difficulties go away. It doesn't stop us from experiencing heat and drought. But it does, it can give us a sense of nourishment and grounding so that we don't default to living in fear or anxiety, but instead can bear the fruit of love, justice, and righteousness. So I ask you, in those times, where will your roots be planted? Where will you find your true home in God? And what practices can you abide in now? Where can you cultivate that awareness of God's presence that goes with you wherever you go? As is the practice on Wednesdays, this space is going to be open for prayer and anointing. You are welcome to come to this space. And I invite you here to dwell with God, to abide with Christ, to let those roots go. So this place is going to be open for anyone who chooses to stay, but let me send you all with a benediction. Even when it feels like the ground beneath your feet is crumbling, may you find ways to root yourself in God, the solid ground of our being. May you abide in Christ as Christ abides in you. And may the Holy Spirit produce in you the fruit of love, justice, and righteousness. Thank you for having me here. Have a wonderful Wednesday. Thank you.